Francisco 49 is deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep Clark. Garrison Hurst, stiff form going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Gruden, Walgren, Bill Belichick were all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget. I'm Lee Gowland. I'm Brian Davis. And this is the 49er Fateful UK Show. Week 10 is in the books. Um, it wasn't a particularly good game to watch. We were getting the basics wrong. Inconsistency, poor coverage, confusion within the defence as to what players being called all led to the inevitable defeat by the New York Giants. At times the defence did look good, but these were overshadowed by the players where we looked absolutely shambolic. On offence, Mullins impressed again and is a viable alternative to CJ Bethard. I think it would be harsh to point the finger of blame towards the young quarterback for either interception, but that isn't to say he didn't have any poor throws. There was a couple where I thought he could have been picked off and we were quite lucky. I think the two interceptions themselves, you've got to put that down partly to the receivers as well, especially the second one. Um, And Breda and Kittle continue to be the positive driving force on offence. I think pretty much that is my summary of the game last night. I haven't actually had a chance to re-watch the game in 40 this morning. Um, so this is still fairly fresh and raw of watching the live broadcast last night. What were your thoughts on the game? It was another rough one, wasn't it? It's hard to take. Um, I've watched the highlights back again today and a lot of my opinions are still where they were last night. Um, I thought Mullins was decent. The running backs played well. I thought the wide receivers were poor. Uh, tight end, well, it was pretty much Kittle, wasn't it? Kittle was great. The O-line were fantastic again, but we were just let down defensively. I thought the defensive line were terrible. Um, linebackers, I thought Warner was the only standout player there. I thought the rest were poor. Defensive backs, I mean, geez, that was just a horror show. Um, they were awful. Other than Sherman, I thought defensively we were... There were individuals on defence that were good, but as a unit, I thought it was a bit of a shambles, to be perfectly honest. Um, Special teams, again, we let a couple of um, long returns come back. Gould was as good as always, but I thought the the coverage was poor at times. And and then you've got that stupid hit by Moore, haven't you? Just a complete boneheaded play for for no reason. Um, Yeah, I think it was that much of a shambles that Salah must now be walking a tightrope it's as it stands, it's hard to see. Yeah, it's hard to see how we last to next season, to be honest. Which I think is a shame because there was a lot of promise there this season at times. But I think maybe I don't know. Maybe Carl needs someone like a Wade Phillips as his defensive coordinator, or that type of older, wiser, more sage, wily old vet who can do something with the defense, and then almost have someone like a Salah waiting in the wings as an assistant head coach. I mean, obviously it's not going to happen with Salah, but if you've got someone who sort of Kyle sees as a younger or a young defensive version of himself, then maybe that's the kind of bloke that or the guy that you put in as a potential to be a replacement if you did go out and get, like, a, like I say, a wise old veteran defensive coordinator next year. Because at the minute, the, with the mis- amount of mistakes that we're making and, and the the, just the the shoddiness of, of the defence of the defence at times it, it, it's just hard to see how he stays in his job beyond this season it, it's just a it, like I said it's just a shambles it's just embarrassing it's so the same I, I problems, completely isn't it? agree 
Yeah, I completely agree with everything you've just said there. Um, I, I'd be very surprised if he does stay in the job beyond the end of the season. Obviously, we now enter our bye week, so we've got two weeks before we play again. But I can't honestly see us making any coaching staff change in those two weeks because at this point of the season, you're more than likely not going to get the person you want to come in to do That's that right, job. Yeah, yeah. So you'll be sticking an interim person in who might do better than Robert Salah. But in all likelihood, it'll either be the same or worse. Mm-hmm. So there is the argument to let him see out the season. He might improve. It might just suddenly click. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do honestly believe that once the season's over, he's going to be our first coaching casualty in the um, the Shanahan Lynch era. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, I think doing anything in the next fortnight, I I can't see the value of it. No, I, I just no. can't honestly see the value. No, he, it just gets tiring talking be. about the same stuff, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? And you know, he, he you know must what, be walking that tightrope. Yeah, I'm actually glad we've got a bye week because it's got quite tiring. Um, as great as it is to do these podcasts again, it I just it's just sort of soul destroying sometimes on a on a Monday and as it is Tuesday today to just sort of think, uh, what can I really bring to the table that's different to what we've spoken about for weeks upon end? Yeah, well, it certainly is when we're talking about the same stuff week in, week out, and they don't seem to be improving consistently enough. So no. they do improve. I mean, we, we've seen it before. We, we had that game where we had a load of turnovers. The next week we come back and it was uh, it was much better. But then they come back again. And obviously, I mean, that's probably a bad example to use talking about turnovers. Tackling or coverage would have been the better ones. Where we have seen improvements, but the consistency is not there. Mm. We, we don't We don't see that improvement throughout an entire game. Or... No. In the weeks after we've improved, it kind of goes back again. It's almost as though they've been given a good kicking in practice and said, right, you need to pull your finger out and sort out sort out your pass coverage, sort out your tackling, make sure you know what the scheme is. And they go into the next game uh, and they're all focused. But yeah. then that focus, and maybe that's it. Maybe it, 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 it's the focus that's probably letting the team down. And yeah. I think it's yeah. been mentioned before in interviews where the turn around said, well, we practice this every week. Yeah, you are. You're practicing it, but it doesn't mean that the team are focused. It doesn't mean the players are focused. You're going through the motions, and it just seems as though the defence are, are lacking focus. And that was definitely evident on multiple players last night, where the defence were just in complete disarray. They were looking at each other thinking, what's happening? What are we doing? What, why aren't you covering that person? We've got a killer with a spoon calling out, I think it was Exum, on the uh, yeah. the touchdown play to Beckham in the fourth quarter. Uh, and he's having the right go to uh, him. And, and Sherman called out Witherspoon after the game said, you just can't do that. You can't yeah. call out one of your teammates in the middle of the game. Yeah. However, in exactly the same interview, he later goes on to say, it wasn't Exum's fault. We didn't have the personnel on the field. It was the wrong play call. So he's effectively calling out the coach, but you can't call out the players. Yeah, yeah. So the the start you're starting to get this undertone of what's the word? A little bit dissension. Yeah. Yeah. You're starting I mean, to get players arguing with players. 
Yeah. Start to make veiled comments. Yeah, there's missed assignments, there were blown coverages, missed tackles. We didn't get any pressure on Eli. We've had no turnovers again. It was almost zero blitzes. I think we had one sack and maybe one, possibly two hits. It was pathetic. And that was against one of the worst O-lines in the league. We've done nothing. And both of those touchdowns at the end, you could see them coming. You, you yeah, can't, you could. And even the first touchdown, you could see what's going to happen. You can't give Beckham that much space in the red zone on, on both of his touchdowns. And to me, everyone other than Sherman in the secondary were just dreadful. You know, the first touchdown, all the defensive backs have pretty much just stood there and they're watching Eli and they're watching what he's going to do. And they're completely ignoring the elite wide receiver who's running around in the back of the end zone. And and he's caught the touchdown. And you think, well, what the bloody hell are you doing? Cause I, and that was just a sign of things to come because... Even on the first play of the game, Beckham dropped it, but the coverage from Witherspoon was soft. And, you know, we've said in the past about Witherspoon, you've got to leave him out there to a certain extent to take his lumps and to try and get better. But at what point is he now just hampering the team? Um, on, yeah. on that second touchdown to Beckham, why are we double covering a tight end? And and, and why are we not thinking, let's be a bit more savvy on, on defence and put Sherman up against um, Beckham? Because... Why is Beck? Why is Sherman covering, you know, like a second tight end and stuff, and, and he's not going anywhere? And uh, it was just a shambles. And again, defensive penalties. Malcolm Smith gives him that first free down, first uh, gives him a free first down on that third down with a hold, and Witherspoon gets done for the PI, and he he didn't even he didn't attempt to play the ball. And the game callers were saying, oh, he's got to look back, he's got to look back. Well, no. We've discussed this in the past. He doesn't have to look back to make that play. He's just got to play the play the receiver's arms and play play where the, where he thinks the ball's going to go and where the where the receiver's hands are going to go. And he didn't do that either. He just pretty much clattered into him. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's it's easy to laugh because it, I, I don't know. It's just so frustrating. Frustrating because we've seen it week in week out. What did you make of the pass interference call on Sherman? Because I thought that was very soft. Which one was that one now? I could try and think so, of it. So that was, I think that was late. Uh, yeah, that was soft, wasn't it? When he was quarter. running into the end zone. Yeah, I mean, that's a kind of penalty. Yeah. He, gets, he gets away. He got away with it at Seattle. But yeah, I thought that was quite soft. Um, he's, he's got a little hold on him as he's sort of going past him, hasn't he? But it's, uh, yeah, it's. it's uh, I think that's a bit of fifty-fifty uh, for me. There's not much in it. Yeah, yeah. I thought exactly the same thing. And, and if anything, I, I actually thought it was the Giants play more than what it was Sherman. Yeah. To be honest. So I mean, officiating. There was some debatable calls. I, I wouldn't have said they were shambolic. There were some debatable calls, but you can't really blame that for us losing the game. No. I mean, it was definitely our defense. Our defense just. Terrible. I mean, you've already mentioned it. Penalties are coming back. We've had the blown coverages. One sack. What one sack on an O line that has allowed the most quarterback sacks this year. Yeah. It, that the, it these really, are the statistics you that rack get your people brain. fired. Yeah. I mean, how on earth can we play that badly? Well, when you go up against the Raiders, and the Raiders actually have a better O line than what the Giants do. Yeah. And and. I mean, we're all over Derek Carr. And I think I counted two blitzes in the whole of the game. I'm, I'm sure yeah. there was two all-out blitzes 
in the whole of the game. Um, and that's just not good enough. No. Not, not when you're playing against an O-line like that. No, and, and we're down to five turnovers in 11 games now. That, that's just unacceptable. It was another 10-point yeah. lead that we blew. Um, we let Eli hold on to the ball for too long. And, and we, we just can't close games out. And if you if you look at the statistics on paper, we actually did all right against Barkley and Beckham somewhat, didn't we? In keeping them in check, it's just those well, we silly, did. I mean, silly, Barkley only had plays for the two yards. touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we missed a missed a trick when we didn't um, throw the challenge flag for that contested catch interception because that was uh, interception all day long, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. You've I got a challenge that as well. As that was an amazing catch from Williams to react to the tip ball and pretty much be full stretch to, to make the catch. And I don't know how anybody saw it any other way because he came out with a ball. The other guy's nowhere near it other than just being led on his back. And Williams has got the ball and nothing came of it. I just failed to see why nobody did, did anything. And even the the, um, the game callers didn't make a, a big thing of it. They were just like, oh, yeah, it's a contested catch, whatever sort of thing. And... It was sort of just a bit of a flippant comment that, oh, well, maybe they could have challenged that. And there wasn't any big debate about it or anything afterwards or, or during the game. It was, I was amazed that that, that didn't, um, you know, that wasn't a more of a key talking point of the game. Yeah, well, it's just like the Phil Mary, the uh, Green Bay Packers against the Seattle Seahawks. The yeah. reason the Seahawks got the ball there on the contested catch is because the benefit of the doubt goes over to the defence in that situation yeah. and the defence get the ball. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, unlike you, I, I don't know why they didn't contest it. I don't know why the officiating crew obviously saw it so clear-cut. Uh, yeah, that's a head-scratcher, that one. It was definitely worth the challenge. Um, and going off uh, Shanahan's record with challenges, it, it might have been a good challenge. Yeah, I think it would have been. But... Yeah, there wasn't. Um, it wasn't a particularly pleasant evening or morning, I should say. And we we said in the preview, didn't we? We wondered whether it might be a sort of a after the Lord Mayor show for Mullins, but Mullins, I thought, yeah. was actually okay. Um, defensively, it certainly was. Um, we turned the ball over twice, both on very similar sort of plays. Uh, the first one, I think, you've got to look at Bourne on that. He, I don't think he was physical enough in going for the initial ball. And the second one, I think, I think there's multiple faults on that one. Mullins threw the ball behind Goodwin. It still hit Goodwin in the hands, and he has to do better. But I think you've got a question: Should Goodwin have been out there on that play? Because on the play before was when he had his what? That was his second hit to in in his head that he sort yeah. of uh, the game had been stopped for, and he'd gone off and had a concussion. Uh, obviously, a quick, very quick con- concussion test. So should you should he have been out there? Uh, you know, yeah, I would I, also I, question what Goodwin was doing because there was like two stutter steps, wasn't there? Yeah, and then he bats the so ball. So he was, he was com- That's right. So he was coming across the field, and then he hesitated, and then he started again, but then he hesitated again. Yeah, and I'm sure that looked confused uh, Mullins. However, yeah. as you've already said, Mullins put the ball behind him anyway, even if he didn't have that second uh, stutter step. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's questionable whether or not he should have been on the field at that time because he had had two hits to the head Yeah. and to be honest coming on the first anniversary of his son dying I, I can understand why he did it last year 
I'm not sure I can understand why he played this year. Mm. Yeah, yeah that might, might be something. Frame of mind using. Yeah. But other than that, I thought Mullins was decent. There's certainly enough there for him to play next week in, or the week after next in Tampa Bay. Um, yeah. He didn't take any sacks today. He was 8 of 13 on third down, which is outstanding, really, when you think of the situation that we're in. Um, needs to do better on those last throw situations, though, and, and that game management on that last drive, I thought, was pretty poor. The three. Three catches across the middle, we've got to do much better than that. We didn't throw to the sidelines. I know they were taking the uh, the sidelines away from us there, but you've got to you've got to be a bit better than that on on that particular last drive. And again, Goodwin talking about being in the right frame of mind. Why you know he doesn't slide, does he, when he catches that last pass? Yeah, and he's trying to get out of bounds, and by the time he would have got out of bounds, the clock would have run out. So I don't know why he's not literally just gone down as soon as he's caught that last ball. So that at least then you've got four or five seconds that you might be able to possibly get two plays away if you're extremely quick, but you've, you've certainly got a little extra time just to buy yourself the, you know, that last play. And, and on that that last that last throw, I think you can underthrow that play, can't you, and hope that someone falls back into, into the end zone, but you, you can't overthrow that. You know, you're only, what were we, on the 21, 22-yard line? You, you know, you can't overthrow that there. You've got to put it. You've got to make that ball catchable, and that is where you want your six foot five, six foot six wide receiver who can go up and make that play, can't you? And you know, the the or, uh, or, you, or your two six foot five tight ends. Yeah, or your tight ends. I don't know why they're you know why you're not targeting those guys on that situation, but yeah, you've got to, you've got to put up a ball where someone can can go and at least contest it and uh, and make a play. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And uh, that that very last flag on the last player that was like rubbing salt into the wounds. That was, was um, it? He, he definitely had me believing that it was on the defense and not the offense. Yeah. I was thinking we were going to get another shot at this, but uh, no, has to be offensive holding. So yeah, that was a bit of a a kick in the ghoulies. Mm. And then so just I think you've already mentioned. Go on, sorry. I was just going to say a couple so of think... other negatives for me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Do you want me to go? Yeah, you can yeah. do. <laughs> a couple of other negatives then are Alfred Morris again. I think the team need to A, stop feeding him, and then they need to B, stop feeding him the ball because he can't bloody run. <laughs> yeah, treacle tours. <laughs> uh, he's just so slow. Why promote someone off the practice squad and then not even give him a look? What, what so did Morris bring to the table that Days couldn't have done last night? So that's what I thought, but I've read an article this morning. It's dated this morning, but it might have it might be twenty four hours behind, saying that Diaz has only just been activated, and it it appears that that was this morning, or yeah, but although that so, can't be right, can it? Be aware of the playbook. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Bourne I thought was poor. Pettis I think is being criminally underused for a guy who came out of college with such a reputation as a huge playmaker and a great kick returner and all of this kind of stuff he's he's not bringing anything to the party at the minute is he what was it four catches for 12 yards this morning not yeah. good enough not good enough we need to um we need to um scheme better for him if, if he's going to start delivering in, in the for a second round draft pick as we've drafted him then we need to be better 
we need to be better at coming up for something for Pettis because at the minute he's essentially just being wasted. Yeah, agree with that. Uh, and back to the Morris um, comments. Yeah, I, I wouldn't play him again. I just wouldn't. He, he's not going to be on the team next season, so I can't see any value in playing him now no. unless you're trying to protect somebody from injury. Obviously, we've had the injuries, but we've got another we've got another back on the practice squad. We've activated Matt Dears, so Matt Dears is going to come up. Yeah. Um, whether or not they want to carry three backs on the active roster, I'm not sure. Um, but that might be the only thing that's stopping us from getting rid of Morris altogether. But yeah, I mean, we, we said it last week. Well, we said it for a couple of weeks. He, he's just not doing enough. Every now and again, when you doubt him, he'll have a big run. Mm. But those are too few and far between. Yeah, they are. And now, at the, the situation we are, where we are of losing to the Giants, we... We may as well go into full evaluation now and have a look at all these guys on the practice squad. We've, exactly. we've got nothing got nothing to lose now. And it, it, it might be seen as tanking, but now it, there's no you're getting like you say, no value in playing the likes of uh Alfred Morris and, and guys like that anymore now. You might as well just uh bin them off, get the people up, get the guys up from the practice squad and just have a real talent evaluation of everyone who's on, on the roster. So your whole 53 plus your practice squad, chin off all of these guys who are we're just sort of uh, carrying every week now, and uh, yeah, scheme up something for the the younger players and this you know Tavares Moore at cornerback. Let's have a look at him. Yeah, let's have a look at some of these youngsters on the O line. We may as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I completely agree with that. I I, I can't see. Any point whatsoever, any value in playing anybody that we're not going to have, you, you do need to evaluate them. I, I don't honestly think that's well. You, I wouldn't say that's classed as tanking. So to me, tanking is deliberately going out and losing games. Yeah, pretty if much. If we the lose the games the because we, in. yeah, if we lose in games because we evaluate and players for next season, I don't personally see that as tanking because no. we are still trying to win the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to clear up that whole terminology of tanking. Yeah, yeah, sure. So if we, if we evaluate and lose for the rest of the season, to me, that's not tanking. Tanking is saying to the players, and I don't think anybody will have ever said this in the history of the game, go out there and lose every game. No. They may have picked starters that they think is going to lose them the games, but that's on the head coach and stuff. Yeah. So... I don't think we'll tank, but I think we will evaluate. And I, I mean, <laughs> one of the positives I've got, <laughs> I've got is that we've got the second pick in the draft, so we've mm. moved up in the draft. Yeah. It shouldn't really be a positive, but obviously it's it's a positive for next season. So we're going to have that one place higher, which either means more draft capital if we get somebody to trade that draft pick, if the person that we want is unavailable. Um, or we do get the person that we want. At the yeah. moment, I can't see the Raiders dropping out of the first spot. And if they're yeah. there, they'll take Nick Bosa. They've got to yeah. take Nick Bosa. And looking at the um, the, the uh, graphic that the commentators put up last night, it doesn't look like there's much coming out of college football in terms of decent quarterbacks this year, is it? So it, it may be that 
with that number two or number three pick, we will end up picking the best player available because it's um, from the little bits that I've seen and read, it's meant to be massive uh, draft for pass rushers and very poor for quarterbacks. So that to me would suggest that we stick where we are at the top of the first round. Don't move down because there probably isn't going to be anyone coming up for a quarterback unless something drastic changes in the in the next few weeks. By you know, I've, I've not looked myself. I've got I've no idea. Um, and yeah, you go and get the best player available with that pick. Well, fingers crossed. Come the off season, we may end up with a couple of more picks after we trade uh, CJ Bethard to somebody who's looking for a oh, quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure someone and will be out out looking for someone who's uh, either going to be a backup or a potential starter on a on a poor team. Yeah, and having the second pick in the draft means I can go to bed early. <laughs> Yeah. And draft night <laughs> because I, I've got a feeling that we wouldn't move back up into the first round in next year's draft. Although I haven't said that, I mean we'll be picking what thirty fourth overall. Yeah. So it's not beyond all possibility that we do move up a couple of places yeah. and pick a second person in the, the first round. And I think that all depends on how our picks go. Obviously, we've only got the five picks at the moment going into next year's draft. If we can shift CJ Bethard for a couple of picks, it may give us something to move up. But we'll have to wait and see because we this is not the draft show. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is the Giants review show. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge so, when we get there, I guess. So getting back to the positives, um, I think you've already mentioned the O-line didn't uh, allow any sacks. So that, that was good. But I think that was partly due to Mullins playing beyond his years. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of times when he was just about to get sacked and he was smart enough to realise that was happening. And rather than hold on to the ball and lose the yardage, he managed to throw the ball away. Yeah, he did, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think O-line we've seen that at all from CJ. No. Yeah, the O line were. I think they punched some good holes for Breeder again, didn't they? Both left side and the right side. So, that, again, that's uh, a positive. Two straight games with no sacks now. So, that unit is, is looking good. Yeah, I agree. Um, Breeder continues to surprise me. Some of the holes that he's actually finding aren't the biggest of holes, but he is finding the gaps and he's getting yeah. through them. And I'm sure one of them he had to go through sideways. Yeah. So it, it just goes to show you how small the gap was, but he identified the gap. And I think that ended up being a 15, 15 16 yard run. Mm-hmm. So he, he's, I mean, he had a very impressive night. 17 carries, 101 yards, one touchdown. Three receptions for 31 yards and a touchdown. I, th- I think he had an excellent night. And we've got George Kittle as well. Nine receptions for 83 yards. I thought he might have gotten over 100, but I think midway through the third, they're starting to put more emphasis on covering Kittle. Yeah. And I think that's why, that's why he didn't get any extra yards. I, I think his night was effectively done as a pass catcher about the middle of the third um, middle of the third quarter I don't think he got anything else after that yeah because I kept on checking my fantasy team because I've got him on my fantasy (laughs) team and I'm sure in the middle of the third he already had those 83 yards yeah and just to sort of touch on Kitten and Breed it's just become the norm now hasn't it they're they're positives every week If, if it wasn't for them we might well have the number one overall pick at the minute. So I know we talk about 
quarterback controversy. Is there going to be a quarterback battle? Is there going to be a running back battle? Quite possibly, isn't there, next season? Because we we don't know how uh, McKinnon's going to come back from his injury. Hopefully he's going to be 100% to come back. But yeah. I think you use them both as a sort of two-headed monster with obviously Juice in there as well as your fullback. Um, potentially it's a phenomenal place to be in if Breeder carries on delivering the way he's going and McKinnon can be a huger part of Kyle's offence as we think he can. And and what worse to for defences to face is if you know you've got McKinnon coming in and and doing his his thing and then you've got Breeder coming in potentially on sort of third down who's averaging five, six, seven yards a, a click at the time. You know, it's a, as a def- as a defensive nightmare, isn't it? It is. It is nothing it's, the way that's it's a great problem played, to have. It's uh, definitely. I think the way that Shanahan played when he was in the Falcons, the the two backs there, I don't think he ever designated one as RB1. I'm, I'm sure he always said that both of them go on in different yeah, situations. Both carry the load, yeah. yeah. So I can definitely see that happening next year. I, I know we've talked about McKinnon being RB1 this year, and so Shanahan, he turned around and he said, well, he's our RB1. We, we've lost him. But part of us wonders whether or not that is because we haven't seen or hadn't seen the best of Breda. Mm-hmm. So that'll definitely give him something to think about over the off-season. Have you got any more positives? Uh, I thought Armstead de- did decent again, didn't he? He was pretty much he the did, only one yeah. on the O-line who seemed to manage to get any pressure. Um Juice again was blowing up some big holes for Breeder. I thought he had a, a good week. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, Warner did pretty well, didn't he? In, as a, probably our only performing linebacker, he had a couple of passes defensed and he blew up um, Barkley, didn't he? A couple of times in the hole he coming did, through the gaps. Yeah. So that was really good to see. Um, and then my number one positive is we get a week off next week. It's a bye week. <laughs> Although the bye week has been installed as an early three-point favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I think we might cover that. <laughs> yeah, I think we should cover that, shouldn't we? Right. Tips? Um, It's not something that I've done, but I think right. if anyone's going out this season, they probably ought to try and get across to watch a Warriors game in Oakland because they're obviously moving to a new arena in San Francisco very soon. Um, ticket prices are high, um, but this is pretty much a once in a lifetime or a sort of generational type team that they've got there at the minute. Um, they're not my team. Um, I'm a Bulls fan, but it's somewhere that I think people should probably try and get, uh, get to go and see whilst they're over there this summer um, and probably next summer um, and when well, next autumn and summer when they move to San Francisco, because um, they're almost like the sort of I've watched a couple of games this season. It's like watching Harlem Globetrotters at time with the amount of talent that they've got on their roster and the uh, yeah, some of the incredible they, they basketball they're playing. Yeah, you, you know you've got the likes of Steph Curry and uh, those guys who are just sort of draining threes over and over and over. So yeah, that would be it's easy to get to. It's on the part you can't miss it. It's uh, there's a stop that stops right at the arena next to the Coliseum. Um, I've got a friend who goes all the time and they're a huge Warriors fan and he just raves about the atmosphere and everything in there. It's meant to be uh, 
absolutely superb. So yeah, whilst I've not been, it's something that um, had I have gone when I was over there and or had the Warriors been any good in the times that I've been over there, then I probably would have gone and watched them. But as they weren't particularly great in the first sort of uh, three or four times I went to San Francisco, that I, it was just one of those things that I didn't bother doing. And now I sort of wish because I'm not going this year that maybe I probably should have gone and watched them. Yeah. So my tip this week, um, again, it's it's something similar to, to yourself. I haven't done it, but I've seen plenty of them driving about uh, San Francisco. So I can't remember whether or not it was last week or the week before where I mentioned don't bother hiring a car in San Francisco because everything's pretty much within uh, easy distance on, on the public transport. So what I'm going to suggest actually costs more than hiring a car for a day but it looks way much more fun. And it's something called go-car tours. And these are little three-wheeler cars, open-top three-wheeler cars, that can seat two people. And you can hire them by the half day or the full day. Um, and believe it or not, that the, half, uh, the full day isn't twice as long as the half day. The half day is an early bird special where you pick up, I think, eight in the morning and you drop off at noon. The full day you pick up at 8 o'clock in the morning and I don't think you return until 7 or 8 o'clock at night. So you, you get almost, it should really be called a third of a day and two thirds of a day. Oh, all day, sorry. Um, and these, I'll put the link up on the podcast website. Like I said, they're just little three wheelers and you can go anywhere with them. You can go down Lombard Street. So if you ever wanted to drive down there, obviously if you're in a car, it's all enclosed. And I don't think you really get as much of an atmosphere going down there as if you went down in one of these little three-wheelers. Just don't lean over to one side because you might tip the car over and <laughs> roll down the bank. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's that's well worth giving a go. It, it's definitely something that I'm looking at doing the next time I go out there. So all day comes in at $250, and this is for two people. But you, you pay that $250 if it's only one person, obviously. And... The early bird special, which runs for four hours, is $110. Um, so if you go out there and you go out there with a friend, a buddy, a, a partner, then, I mean, it ends up being, what, $55 each or $125 each for the day. And it allows you to get some really good photos. If you've got a GoPro, you can attach that to the front of the windscreen. And like I said, I mean, everyone I've seen go past me while I've been there, Everybody's having so much fun. It looks absolutely excellent. So give that a go. I'll stick that on the website. Right, so the next game will be coinciding with our meeting at Manchester. So the meetup in Manchester at the Brotherhood on the 25th is for the Buccaneers game. Um, at the moment, I think there's between 12 and 15 going. 12 and 15 from the group and then there's people outside the group who will also be there as well but uh, we'll have our own private area the tickets are now on sale so you can go on to skittle.com and buy the ticket the ticket gives you a wristband that allows you to get cheap drinks for the rest of the night and it opens at i think either five or half five and closes at two o'clock in the morning um so Whoever's going to that, I look forward to seeing you. I'll bring the the new flag down, which has only just arrived today, and I can definitely say it's much better than the uh, the one they sent out last week to us. The red matches the red that I wanted, 
um, and if I get some good light I'll get a photo taken and upload that onto the uh, the website right so enjoy your bye week um, we may or may not have a, a small show before the the Buccaneers game we may think about doing some sort of a, a fan insight um, if anybody from the the group wants to do wants to be the subject of that fan insight um, just drop us a message let us know and we'll sort something out and it'll take between 20 minutes half an hour and we'll just do some sort of uh, fan bio you can tell us how long you've been a 49ers fan who your favorite player is whether or not you've been out to san francisco uh, and just basically chat through that and if they got any tips as well that'd be useful so i'm starting yeah, to run out absolutely now. fantastic <laughs> right well enjoy the bye week um unfortunately we didn't get the win last night hopefully we'll do better against the buccaneers and maybe that uh fortnight the bye week might see some changes in the organization or see some changes in the way the coaching staff instill the players on the players. Right, until the 25th, guys. Catch you later. Yes. We love the San Francisco 49ers deep in the heart. Like Joe Montana in the corner, deep heart. Garrison Hurts, stiff far going 99. Don't get it twisted, one and all with prime time. John Taylor, Jerry Rice down the sideline. NDB, greatest owner of all time. Groovy, Walgreens, Bill Belichick, where all students of Bill Walsh. Don't ever forget.